0: Welcome to A Lunch with Biggie, a podcast about small business and creatives sharing their stories and inspiring you. My guest today is someone I've known since I started my brand. She says she's a serial entrepreneur, but she's a resource and a boss. Um, She's the owner of KeepChasingTheStars.com, the the host of Pimp Your Brilliance podcast, and the creator of the Visionary Journal. Please welcome Monique Malcolm to the show. What's going on, Monique?
1: Hey, it's going. It's going. I am...
0: uh just excited to be here and i can't wait to see what comes out of this conversation yeah so am i so am i um so before i start i know obviously this is my lunch break but before i start i was thinking what's your go-to sandwich oh a
1: classic grilled cheese like hands down with like really buttery crispy crust
0: nice what kind of do you have a preference in cheese by any chance no i mean i think i
1: like to to do like a sharp cheddar because i like that like extra bite Mm -hmm. but honestly um any cheese that's (laughs) melty.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm down for that. I totally, uh, grilled cheese is actually like the most, I think it's like the most popular sandwich that's made, um, at home. It's like one of the most popular ones when it comes to that, obviously that and the PB and J are the, are the two most popular ones. So, um, so let's talk about, um, let's talk a little bit about your story. Um, so I've mentioned, I've known you since I started Deli Fresh Threads. Um, I won't lie. Like I vividly, there's few things that I, I don't know why, but I vividly remember and you may not, but that's perfectly fine. When I first met you was about probably about nine years ago, you were selling um, on a street. It was over in Lake Eola. And I remember going, coming up to you just because I just really your energy was just awesome. And I remember coming up to you and at the time you were selling anti-sparkle apparel um, and I remember coming up to you and just starting to ask questions because I was just starting out and I was just asking questions and I was just like, hey, you know, I'm like, do you have any tips or any advice? And the one thing I loved is that you were basically, you were just very open and I was amazed by that. And so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit because one of the things that as we stayed in contact, um, I've noticed a huge evolution and how you've evolved your brand and just how you've kind of done it and i just wanted to kind of take a moment to kind of talk a little bit about that transition cuz you went from anti anti sparkle um to what it's evolved to now and um and i just kind of wanted to get a little bit of an idea a little bit of a taste of where how that kind of went and how you transitioned from kind of apparel to some of the things that we're going to be talking about um and if you can kind of give a little bit of an insight on that
1: yeah so I think a large part of that transition or that pivot was I started feeling like I wanted to do more beyond just selling apparel. I've been doing it for a few years, um, doing craft shows, doing vendor fairs and things like that, selling online. And I just learned so much. That's a really big part of my story. It's just like this this drive, this relentless call to always be learning and and researching and and reading everything that I could. And at that point, I had started learning so much and I was interested in speaking. So I started speaking at conferences and different things like that. And I remember I had a coach uh, at one point, uh, her name is Cindy Spiegel. And we were, I had met her at a conference and then she was my coach. And we were talking one time and she was just like, I just see you as so much more than just anti-sparkle. And I had already been speaking at that point and she, she just kind of couldn't reconcile how I just only pigeonholed myself as being just a t-shirt brand when she just saw that I could do so much more. And that kind of started the the transition from Anti-Sparkle to Keep Chasing the Stars because it, even though I love the name Anti-Sparkle and I thought it was clever, people always thought it had a negative connotation to it yeah. just because the anti in the name and I had been using the tagline, Anti-Sparkle, Keep Chasing the Stars. So I just thought, okay, well, we'll drop the Anti-Sparkle and move to Keep Chasing the Stars because I felt like that was everything that I, I want people to know. And, and a real part of myself is just like being in that relentless pursuit of your passion, your goals, your dreams. And so it felt like a really natural fit. So then I transitioned to Keep Chasing the Stars. I did a rebrand. And I was really happy with that uh, for a number of years. However, again, feeling that, that pull, like I still need to branch out into more things. And, and again, feeling limited by name because then I, I started the podcast, Comp Brilliant, and, you know, I have the planners and I was doing all these things, but there just wasn't a space that I felt like shared who I was and like encompassed everything that I was doing. And, um I just decided okay well i am gonna step out and brand something as myself and have a website as myself and as my name and so that's when i decided to change what was um until a few months ago pimpyourbrilliance.com basically changed that over to moniquemalcolm.com as just like my first time really getting from behind the brand because i've always had brands that have you know great names but I kind of take a step back from and let the brands be forward-facing. And so I'm kind of playing around with this idea of building more of a personal brand Mm -hmm. versus just a a brand. Because I mean, in a lot of ways, no matter what I do, my brands always end up being personal brands because I'm very hands-on. And with podcasting, inherently you are the personal brand. I can never outsource podcast recording to someone else. So it's really just a lot of I think getting to places where I say this doesn't fit quite as well as I would like to and exploring ways that I can make that work or I can make it feel like a better fit.
0: No, that makes total sense. And I, I agree 100% on the aspect of the, you know, and it's kind of funny because you say, you know, like the, even though it does have, they do have amazing names, um, your brands and what you've come up with. But at the end of the day, it's always you that everyone keeps going to. It's like, it's what people buy into is you. Um, you know. And so that's, that's something that I'm actually evolving and trying to learn as well on my aspect. So I totally can relate to what you're saying um, when it comes to all that. You were actually, it's funny because you were actually the first person to invite me to do something that I still do with my family every year. Um, and that's basically is do a vision board. Um, I never really did one. Um, I remember you kind of invited me over. I had, you know, we were doing it with a bunch of folks and asked me about it. And I remember doing it, um, and I remember having it in my office and looking at it. And I remember when I would see it um, at the end of the year, I would look at it and I would realize that so many of those things, in one variation or another, were happening or at least were creating. And so it was something that I started to do with my own family, and it's actually. Um, If you were to ever come to my house, you would see that on my doors, I literally have, we have three of them. We have one for each one of us. And then we do a family one together as what a family would be, um, like a family vision board. So um, I definitely, uh, I thank you for that. But I also know that, and I kind of want to get a little bit insight on this, because I feel like what you, when you did, when you're talking about the visionary journal, I, I know that you kind of, was that kind of a culmination of like you did. you know, the vision board. And then you're like, Oh, I need to kind of create my own planner. And then at the same time, you're kind of like, and then it just became, you know, like that day planner slash, you know, vision goal planner type thing. Like, how did that come about? Um, Was it, you know, something that you decided to do for yourself? And then you're like, Oh, well, I can actually sell this.
1: Yeah. So it didn't, I never thought of the vision board separate from the planning piece. And at the time that I made it, that was very, very important to me that the the visionary journal, for those of you who don't know, it's a planner system that I created and got like professionally manufactured and have sold for a number of years. And I, I think of it as everything that you need to successfully set a goal in one book. So you need the vision piece. So that's your vision board, like creating a visual representation of what you want, when you set your goals, then there's like goal setting. And then there's um, breaking down 90 day plans. So I just thought, okay, there's so many moving pieces when it comes to setting like a really, really powerful goal, because you need space to have the goal and break it down. You need space to come up with your 90 day plan and be reflecting and reviewing and you need space for that vision piece. So I wanted to create all of that in one book. Now, as far as where the idea came from, that's that's the funny part that's always difficult for me to tell people because the way that I create, I never create ideas until I've sat with them. I basically, the best way I can describe it is like thinking about it, putting a pot on the stove. So then I put the water in the pot and that's the idea. And I just let it sit on the stove with the the heat turned on until it starts to boil. And once it hits boil, I've thought about the idea enough. I've turned it around in my mind and I can see the finished outcome and then I go and create. So I got the idea for the Visionary Journal. I remember when I got it because I was laying across my bed and it just kind of like came into my brain all at once. And I was trying to explain it to my husband and I was like rambling all over the place and he didn't know what I was talking about. And I was like, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm going to make this thing. But largely it came from me trying to understand why more people didn't achieve their goals. What was the missing piece? And I, I landed on the idea, okay, people don't know how to set goals. And then I started thinking about, okay, so how can I make it easy for people to set goals. Like help them through the process and give them everything that they need in one spot. And that became the vision, like the beginning of the visionary journal. I made a ton of prototypes. I had prototypes that I used for myself for a while. I gave them to friends, I gave them to family and I asked for feedback and, and wanted to see how different people were using them. And then I just decided, okay, I'm ready. I know what I'm trying to create and and I just went out to try to find someone to help me make it.
0: From the time that you started the mock-up, like the kind of like the mock-up that you were using to kind of play with to the time you actually went to production, how much time went by?
1: I think it was about four months. So when I created the prototype to when I started looking for an actual manufacturer, someone to help with the the large scale printing, it was about four months.
0: That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to, to kind of see and, and to see, I know you're in a few iterations of it now, um, which is amazing. So obviously, through time, you've been able to get more feedback and then be able to actually build from there. So I, uh, it's quite impressive. Um, one of the things that you you and I have always kind of spoken about was that you and I believe that businesses um, don't have to be enemies um, in that, you know, we can actually help one another succeed. Um, you've brought it up on your podcast as well, like about being a resource versus being an expert. Can you talk a little bit about that, about that mindset, um, about wanting to be one, being a resource, um, to others, but also the fact of also helping, wanting to be able to help other small businesses, um, maybe similar to yours.
1: Yeah. So I, I refer to my competitors as my creative neighbors, because I don't see them as competitors. I see them as potential collaborators. And, and maybe even people who do things that are very, very similar to me, uh, if they're doing it successfully, they're more of a validator, right? Because they have made the idea. Um, they figured out how to make the idea work. And so now I know that I can do something in a similar vein because they've validated the idea already. So I don't really think of anyone as a competitor per se. That's not to say that they're not people who are doing the exact same thing. They're, they're always going to be, but I'm not competing with them because there are so many different takes that we can have on about different things. So the way that I podcast can be different than the way that you podcast and everyone else, like there's, there's so many different avenues that we can take. And you are not limited because you can someone can listen to my podcast and your podcast. you know. So I don't really think about it in terms of like trying to compete with someone else. And I think that mindset just comes from the realization that as a creative business, I am going to be more successful long-term if everyone embraces the idea that creative businesses are here and they should exist and we should be creating. It It helps long-term sustainability of my business if people patronize my business and they patronize your business as well yeah. and i think that there is enough for everyone and so i just always try to lead with this idea that it's it's better to help in and, and help where i can instead of trying to compete with other people i really believe that what i put out comes back and uh, i always say that people are my greatest assets uh you don't I launched a Kickstarter a few years ago. You don't have a successful Kickstarter if you don't have people who believe in you and who will go to bat for you and help you promote. So you need people and the the idea that you don't need people and that you don't need other creatives, I think that that idea is stupid because you do. Yeah. So I, I try to lead with that. As far as being a resource, I, I always tell people to focus on being a resource because it feels more accessible than trying to position yourself as an expert. Uh, A lot of what I do right now is like helping people get started and and trying to get them to take the next step in their business, their goals, their dreams. And it makes it less intimidating if I say, okay, you can start a podcast, but you don't have to be an expert to start a podcast. You can be a resource and you can share your insights, you can share your experiences, you can share your skill set, whatever you have, you can share that and it can have just as much value as someone who has been doing this for a number of years, because there's going to be so many different levels. And maybe you are two steps ahead of you know, whoever is behind you. That's still valuable yeah. that the person that is three steps behind you, they're not necessarily ready for information to come from someone who is 15 steps ahead of them. That's way too much and probably too soon. So someone who is a few steps ahead of them Mm -hmm. is going to be creating something that's going to feel better and probably feel more accessible because it's not like the timeline is not that far. So I just think it just helps people feel more comfortable with getting started when they don't have to have the pressure of needing to be a resource or a thought leader or a guru.
0: No, I I agree with that. I also think that a lot of times we, um, when you think of it that way versus being the expert, I think I also look at it as a lot of times, and I'll give you a perfect example myself, when I told you before, like I didn't want to, I, I made my own roadblocks and my own hurdles on like who would want to hear a podcast from me and who would want to do this. The other people are doing this. Um, But the thing is each person, each one of us has our own, you know, journey and our own voice and our own perspective on how they're going to, how they do things. And, you know, and it's very interesting to be able to get, you know, kind of like how you said, be able to get different perspectives from different bit podcasts, different people, different businesses. Um so I totally I, I I totally agree with with that as well as also the fact of like the I love the the creative neighbors. I like I like that idea. Um I absolutely love all like you know that's one of the big things I like you basically kind of can learn from one another. Um so I think it's very important for um for us to be able to do that. And I think that's why I'm always open to talk to people when people want to start a brand or anything. I'm, I'm always kind of like, yeah, talk to me. I I want to be able to help you. I don't need to give you all the answers to the test, but I can at least give you what might, you know, share that knowledge and be able to help you with some things that I can do. So I definitely agree with that.
1: Do you remember, um, do you remember the brand Furface Boy? I do. Hi, hi, May. I met him like in the, the, I guess the peak of Fur Face Boy when he was like really going hard and like doing all these amazing things in the t-shirt brand world. He had come to, I think Tampa and I met up with him and I don't remember. I think his name might be Gavin. Is the guy who runs the brand still proud. And uh, we met up for dinner. And I remember him saying that if somebody emailed him and asked him like for the name of his printer, like some, one of his, what people would consider to be like yeah. intellectual secrets for his brand. Mm-hmm. He was like, I, I just tell them, I just give them the answer because yeah. he was like, you know, his thought process was like, if you don't want to do the research and, and do the work, they're probably not going to do anything with that information because you didn't kind of look for it for yourself. Yeah, And so I, I always think about that and I don't even necessarily think about it as they're not going to do the work. I just think if I can just make it easier for people and mm-hmm. and limit the barriers to entry for someone to get to the next step, then I've done what I need to do because I mean, it's, it's hard enough to run a creative business and and maintain the energy and the excitement all the time. And there's enough people on the internet being jerks. I'm not going to add to that.
0: Nope. I totally agree. Yeah. And a lot of times I actually heck I've even done it for when people ask me like, Hey, who does your hats? you love your hats. I was like, Oh, I'll tell you who they are. And like, I laugh because, um, I probably every, every few months I'll get something I'll get, they'll send me a note saying, Hey, thanks for referring so-and-so to me. Um, and I love it. I love it. I think it's great. I mean, I, I think it's, it's basically we're all small businesses, you know, it's kind of like, especially since I work with so many small interact with so many, so many small businesses, we all got to be able to help one another if We If they're not, you know, if you're not lifting you up, then get them out of your, get them out of your circle. You don't need them. So I totally get that. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, cause I know you as a business coach, um, you, you teach and you preach about working smarter and for creatives and, you know, for people to creating a digital product. Can you tell me a little bit about that concept or and and maybe give people some examples of like if they wanted to kind of create their own digital product, like what what exactly do you mean by something like that? Um, can you give examples or at least give some people some idea um about that because I mean I think it's a an unbelievable opportunity I actually tell my wife that I think she should do something with that um just because in her field um to be honest I don't know if I should but I know she definitely should um and so I kind of want I want people to kind of get a better understanding of that um and obviously be able to get more information from you later on but at least give them a taste of what um what you mean when you mean by uh creating a digital product of your own
1: so a digital product I think of that as a product that has no overhead. It's something that you can create one time, you put the inf- the information together, you take the time to make it nice, and then you can sell it over and over again, no inventory, and there's plenty of software to handle delivery and things like that, distribution. So digital products can be anything from courses, that's, that's normally what people think, these big online courses, but they can be workbooks, they can be ebooks, they can be um, workshops. So you can record a video tutorial about something and you can sell it, it can be template sets, whether it's uh, templates to make better graphics, there could be budgeting templates, the is the limit. And they apply to so many different industries. I don't actually think I have found an industry yet that a digital product of some nature wouldn't work for. So it's just something that you know, you can create on your computer and you can send to people. So I love the idea of, of teaching people to create digital products because the barrier to entry is very low. A lot of the resources that you need to create them, you can find for free. Um, Canva is a huge thing that people use for digital products, and you can use Canva for free. Um, there are plenty of software companies that have some type of a free plan that you can use to create a digital product or uh like very low cost gumroad is a good one it's it's pretty easy to use it's fairly cheap to use so i just think it's it's a really good idea because i mean in this this day and age everybody knows something mm-hmm. and everybody knows something and not we always assume that what we know everybody automatically knows but that's not true and there are a lot of people who are looking for information who don't wanna take the time to do the Google searches and the Pinterest searches and the YouTube searches, they would rather just get it packaged up and follow the steps or do the work and go from there. So I think that um, everyone can add something like that to their their lineup if they're a small business. And and it's very, one thing that people don't necessarily think about, um, especially in a field like mine, like so with the coaching space, one-on-one coaching can be very expensive But not everyone in my audience is ready to make that kind of a large investment. So by having a digital offering, it doesn't take any time away from me once I created to sell that to someone and I can give them access to me at a lower price point. So it allows me to work with people who may not be ready to invest in something higher or, you know, for whatever reason. And um, I really like that, although I will say. Uh, physical products was and is still my first love, but I think that uh, digital products are an easier place for people to start versus going straight to physical goods.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a heck of a lot cheaper to do than have to actually buy overhead product and yes. all that stuff. So trust me, <laughs> I, as I look in my office and I'm full of shirts and prints and stickers and everything else so I totally uh, I totally get that. Um, what do you think are some roadblocks um, that you've experienced that later on became an opportunity?
1: Ooh, let me think.
0: You know, the the roadblock that
1: always comes up for me that creates the most opportunity is just resource limits, capital limits. I've always found that uh, when I am limited in the amount of money I have to create an idea, I get really, really creative in how to make that thing happen. So Sometimes I think like, oh man, wouldn't it be amazing if I had like unlimited funds? But then sometimes I think, would that stifle the creativity? Because that takes away the need to think about, okay, what other ways can we make this happen? And I even find the same thing with knowledge. Uh, Having knowledge gaps really creates the opportunity for you to rethink what it is that you're trying to do and find another way to do it. And the best example I can give for that is when I created the Visionary Journal for the first time, I did not know how to use Adobe InDesign, which is the program that you use to lay out books and magazines and things that are multi pages. But I did know how to use Adobe Illustrator. So I designed every single page, one artboard at a time in Adobe Illustrator, and then exported those individual pages to a PDF. And basically, assembled that in a PDF file, wow. like piece by piece. And was over 200 pages. So like getting the first section all laid out and then getting like the 90 day sections. Once I got to the 90 day part, I was able to just duplicate that, but I still had to like build that by hand in a PDF document <laughs> and make sure everything was good to go before I could send it to a printer.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. What, um, what advice would you give someone that wants to start something and they're just kind of wanting to start something and maybe have some fear or just kind of, you know, what advice would you give someone if someone said, Hey, Monique, I want to start something, but I just don't know where, I don't know how, or, you know, I'm scared.
1: I always tell people, start with what you have. So instead of taking the approach of, I don't have this, I don't have that, I never think about that. I think, okay, what do I have? What do I have that I can leverage for something else? So if I don't have enough money, can I give more time? Can I barter for something? If I don't have these skills, what skills do I have? Or can I learn these skills? So I always start with what I have and try to find the solution there. Because I feel like there is a solution there if you think about what you have. If you approach your problems from, I don't have this, and you're so focused on what you don't have, it's really hard to see what options and solutions are available to you. Yeah. So always start with what you have. And then I think the next thing I would tell someone is to just take the next step. Sometimes we get really bogged down in trying to see the entire staircase, but the entire scare- staircase doesn't matter when you're on the first step, you need to start going up the staircase.
0: So so true. So true. Now, what about someone who let's say they're further along in the staircase? um, And what is it something that you see businesses struggling? Like, what do you think is like a common struggle that you as a business coach have have had to deal with a lot um, with businesses when they first kind of when they initially start out? Is there like a constant thing that you notice them all struggling with? I think, oh, there's there's lots of things. The two main <laughs> ones,
1: <laughs> the two main ones that i'm I'm always kind of coaching for is one pricing, being more confident about pricing, especially uh, for people who are like speakers or teachers. I always tell them like you could be charging more than what you're charging. you're You're not charging enough. And if you want this to become a thing that can make real money or replace your income, you need to be thinking long-term about what you're charging. So pricing is a big one. But I think the other one is getting organized, the back end of your business organized. A lot of people come to me and they are spinning out, their wheels are spinning. They're not creating enough content. They have clients, but they feel overwhelmed. They're they're trying to spin so many plates and they just don't know what to do. And a lot of that comes from not having proper systems and tools in place. So we talk a lot about, okay, what is the process for that? Great. Now, do you have that process documented anywhere? If not, then we need to get that documented. And I teach a lot of people about using project management systems because my hope is even if you don't want to become full-time, you can make enough money to bring in a contractor or someone to help, and you can't hand off things unless you have it documented what needs to be done. Yeah. because there's nothing worse than having an assistant to help and you are the bottleneck because they have to keep coming to you and asking for things and asking for next steps. That doesn't create a good situation. It actually is more stressful and not beneficial. So um, helping them get that kind of stuff organized.
0: Do you see a lot of these businesses? Um, cause I think for me, one of the things that I, I noticed for me is that, um, You're you're one person, so it's so hard when you're when you're a solo you know solopreneur type of person that's trying to run the business. I always laugh because I see on the TikToks like how they use the the full the full house intro and they have like the different people that show who they are. I always want to do one, and it's just me wearing. Like different hats or something just showing like <laughs> it's me the whole time it's me i'm the packing department i am this i'm the one that does the orders i'm the one that does social like i'm like you know what i mean so it's like you when it that's i think i think sometimes that kind of can become one of those where you kind of get the spin out where it becomes very it's kind of so hard because you're kind of juggling everything and you want to keep everything at a high level um and that, that consistency is always difficult sometimes um when you're going that route so i could totally uh totally see about creating processes to make life a little bit easier, better planning, um, kind of schedule things out um, like social media posts and stuff like that, your content, get those things off. You know, if you plan accordingly, you can kind of get those things going. Um, I think all those things are, are great, um, great avenues and, and great things to be able to do.
1: Yeah. And the other thing, in addition to just being able to plan things out, I also think about just offloading things out of your brain for me, that's a really big thing is, is feeling overwhelmed when there's too many tabs open. So I rely very heavily on my project management system because I have built it as a second brain. It has all my processes, all the steps that need to happen. I put ideas in like the bits and pieces of ideas or research that I have. I offload them there so that they aren't in my brain just cycling, 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 because that kind of stuff causes me overwhelm. Yep. when i'm trying to get things done and i have so many ideas and i'm trying to like hold on to them just a little bit because i don't want to forget them and it, it's too much so i try to offload as much as i can and and really teach my my um my students and my clients to do the same thing like write that stuff down or have a space in your your project management where you can dump ideas and and anything that's attached to that idea so that you can come back to it later and you don't have to just try to like hold on to it just barely Mm -hmm. while you do other work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's quite a bit of um, ways to be able to do that. And we actually, uh, I try to do it. I try to do it pretty often, but I also do it with my family where we'll actually do it. I call it like a mind dump. And I just was like, just give it to me just like for the next 10 minutes, just like get it all out of your head. What's in your head. Um, Because there's amazing how many things are we subconsciously we have in our head as well. And you want to get it out. And then from there, you then start kind of you know, group, it's like the grouping thing. You group it like, okay, this is like family. This is this, this is that, this, I can get done now. This, I don't, this, we don't have to do, you know, like I don't need to do a patio right now. It's a future thing. You know what I mean? Like, so little things like that um, kind of develop. So I, I get that. It's a, it's, it's very important to be able to do that. I actually was on a podcast with someone that does deals with creative folks. And one of the things that he says he actually does is he actually has waterproof paper, um, and in the shower, cause that's where he gets a lot of ideas, but I get the same thing. He actually writes down stuff on his waterproof paper that he has, um, in the shower, because I do get those quite often. And I also get them in the middle of the night, um, or sometimes like really early in the morning when I wake up and I'll, or, and I'll just tell, I'll either text myself or I'll tell my wife to text me so that way I can kind of keep it. And then I kind of put it all together in one place. Um, cause my, you're right. Your brain's always kind of going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally get that. What... I I always kind of use the term secret sauce, Um, but what do you think, like, or the special sauce, you know, like, what do you think for, for brands that have been, you know, it's so tough for brands sometimes, especially, or just small businesses when they've been starting, when they've been doing it for so long um, or doing it for a good amount of time and it's their baby and there's, they lose that flexibility or that, that adaptability. Um, and then at the same time, they, I kind of look at it as, um, maybe in the, in the sense that they're constantly in that search for that special sauce to give them that, you know, like if they did that right pivot or they did that right thing to be able to, um, advance or grow their business. Um, do you notice a lot of people that kind of stuck with that? Like, it's like, this is my baby. I don't want to, I don't want to make any changes to it. Um, you know, and then kind of how, what are your thoughts on that or how do you usually kind of like help people steer away from that or at least kind of open their minds up to do or to think a little bit bigger than uh, than where they're at?
1: You know, sometimes I think it is the, the idea of the sunk cost fallacy. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, but it's this idea that uh, if we invest time, money, energy into something, it's harder for us to pivot or just leave that idea behind Because we're so focused on what we've already invested in it. So it's like, I I paid, I already paid for this software. So now I have to use it. And even though we, we realize it's not working and this is not actually what we need, we're really resistant to let it go because of the sunk cost fallacy. I already invested money into it. So when I see that happening to people, I, I think I try to be a beacon of permission as much as possible and say, you know what, just because you spent money on that or you invested time or you always did it this way, you don't have to do it. You don't have to continue down that path. You can change, you can pivot. And I think that that really helps because I've I've been there. I've been there where I have been so stuck in an idea. I probably stuck with the name Anti-Sparkle probably too long even though I realized it no longer fit quite as well, Mm -hmm. but it was just that idea I had already invested so much time and energy into building up this brand and domain, you know, link backs and all of this stuff. So it's, it's hard to get yourself to make those pivots, but also you have to think about the other side of that. Like, what do you gain by making those changes? Maybe there's going to be a better opportunity or you're going to grow like gangbusters now because you have made those those fixes and changes. So I think that is a really big one. And then sometimes we just need to step back and give ourselves space to look at the big picture when you are like laser focused, like you're on the camera view. So I think about like, if you know anything about photography, like when you're looking through things a macro lens, that's like that really zoomed in, you're seeing all the tiny details. It's really hard to see when you're going off course or if things are not quite working because you're just so focused on like those tiny details, everyday things. So sometimes you need to like zoom out from like the bird's eye view or what they call like the 10,000 foot view and just take a step back and look and see what is happening and start thinking about like, what opportunities are here, what, what are like traps are you falling into and really assess those types of things. So I think those two things are, are the biggest one, like some cost fallacy and just being too close to the action.
0: No, I, I totally get that. That makes total sense. Um, one thing that you brought up and I've always been intrigued by it. And I kind of want you to um, tell a little bit about it. You're part of a mastermind group. Mm-hmm. Um so how did you become a part of it? And then for those of you who don't know what it is, can you tell people, give, it a, give folks a definition or an example of what a mastermind group is?
1: Yes. So mastermind group is a group of people. Uh, it can be varying sizes, but the one that I'm in currently, I think there are six of us and that feels like a really good amount. I think anything more than that for what our purposes would be too much. So it's just a group of people we meet and we are all in a similar niche at this point. So the one that I'm really active in is called the the course creators. So we all have like courses or like mm-hmm. membership type deals. And we meet, you meet on a set schedule and it's basically an opportunity for you to have other eyes on your business and workshop through challenges that you may be having or challenges that other members may be having. So I really, I really enjoy it. And the one that I'm in right now, I was invited um, by another friend to join because they had lost a member and they were looking for someone and she invited me to join. And so I've been doing this for a couple months. I think that it's great because it's an opportunity, again, to have that that, um, zoomed out view on your business and you can take problems or challenges that you're having and get feedback or get somebody else to soundboard you through challenges or ideas that you're thinking about. So they're really great for that. And um, there's paid masterminds. This one that I'm in is not paid. We all just meet voluntarily. But I think that if you are interested in doing something like that, you could actually form your own. It's pretty easy to do. And um, I've been in smaller ones over the years. So the woman who invited me, her name's Alicia, her and I actually meet every Thursday and we've been doing this for the past year. And we meet for an hour every Thursday and we just go over what are we working on? What did we get done the previous week? What are we working on next week? Um, I'm in a short-term one that will end. It was only a month long. And I actually found that one on Twitter. Somebody tweeted and was asking, like, do you want to be in an accountability group for the month of May? And we, we just focus on, like, the goal that we're doing for May And that one, we just meet for half an hour on Saturdays. Again, it's really quick, informal round, Robin. What are you working on? Any challenges or things that came up? And what are you committing to for the next week? So the the different frameworks that you can have, there's there's so many different ways. But I think what works really good is the the way that we do my main mastermind, which is um, every meeting. Everybody just kind of shares in general for the first half of the meeting. And then two people get to be in the hot seat and they can bring a challenge or something that they wanna workshop through. And we just give ideas and insights or ask questions to really get to the, the bottom of the issue. And it just rotates every week or every meeting because we meet every other week. So the woman who's in charge of it, she lets us know ahead of time who's next in the hot seat do you want to take this opportunity? Do you want to pass on it? And we just go like that. And and when we don't have hot seat, it's just, you know, is there a topic that you all want to discuss that would be beneficial to the group?
0: That's awesome. That's that's very, very cool. Yeah. I. Um, it's something that I've always kind of wanted to do. I've talked about it and it's something that I kind of, I've thought about starting one, um, but then it's just trying to figure out like, how niche do I want to make it or how open, you know what I mean? Like, Do I just make it small businesses? So there's a little bit of aspects to it that I've put some thought into it where I want to do. And and it might be something that I can see myself doing by the end of the year, um, just because I do think it'll be helpful. I I love the idea of, um, and it kind of goes in part with the whole idea that we talked about in the very beginning, um, the creative neighbors. Mm-hmm. um because these are all people that you're you're all kind of banding together as a village um you know it takes a village to to be successful and so why not be able to use those resources from those other people that you've actually talked to or that are actually maybe have experienced some of these issues um and then that's kind of where you become that resource for your uh, for your neighbor so very mm-hmm. uh very awesome i uh think I really, I, I, that was one of those things where I wrote down. Cause I had seen a, you had tweet about it and I was like, man, I got to ask her about that. I was like, because I was so intrigued by that part of it, um, which is great. So no, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, is there anything, um, I guess last few questions before my lunch break ends. Um, so any, any little thing that you, any tip or advice that you would want to give someone um, that's either, you know, just in general, to be able to, uh, you know, to start wanting to start out. And, and I tell people, you know, one of the big things I tell people when it comes to this podcast is it's not just about small business. It's about we wanting to start something. It's about wanting to start anything, whether you're, we all kind of make excuses about either working out or eating right or walking or whatever, um, or, or saying that they have a hobby and they want to do something more to it um, and make it more than, you know, do you have any tips or advice or anything that you would want to, you know, maybe a motto or a mantra that you follow?
1: Yes, um, so I have I have two models. Uh, my personal model is make it work. So when I have challenges, I just that's what I default to, make it work. But um, the thing that I, I like to leave people with is don't let fear have all the fun. And what that means for me is just thinking about all of the things that you can do that you really know that you want to do that that lay on your heart that you want to put out there or goals you really want to achieve. Don't let fear keep you so afraid that you don't get to have that, you don't get to experience that, you don't get to have fun with that. Because I think one thing that we do that is a huge disservice to ourselves is when we, we're we getting ready to approach something unfamiliar and we start to feel that fear, we think of all of the negative things that can happen, all of the worst case scenarios, like your mind needs no pushing to just come up with so many bad outtakes and like yeah. outcomes. And I just think, what if your mind thought of all of the wonderful things that could happen, all the best case scenarios, what you would actually gain from this, how it would benefit you? That is the fun. So I just always encourage people to not let fear have all the fun.
0: Awesome. Tell people where they can uh, they can follow you, they can support you. Um, drop all the websites, everything that they can find. I Obviously, I know they have one spot they can get it all, but tell folks where they can listen to you, listen more to your of your knowledge um, and be able to get your help uh, and experience and e- expertise. So my main website is my name. So MoniqueMalcolm.com.
1: You can find the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast over there. You can learn more about my Brilliance Lounge if you're interested in learning about digital products. And there are even links to find my planners and e-commerce store, which are over on Keep Chasing the Stars, if you want to go directly there. And then as far as social media, the place that I really love to hang out is Twitter. So you can find me at Monique E. Malcolm. And then on Instagram, you can find me at either Pimp Your Brilliance or Star Chasers Only.
0: And I'll definitely have all those on the show notes. So you guys should be able to see that. So uh, Monique, thank you so much. Um, That's our show for today. Thank you so much to Monique Malcolm for for having lunch with me. Definitely make sure to check out moniquemalcolm.com keep chasing the stars.com, pimp your brilliance podcast, subscribe to that bad boy. Um, and definitely go on support show, support her. Um, if you enjoyed the show, definitely make sure to subscribe. Um, and if you definitely want to check out my brand deli, fresh threads, um, you could definitely do some shopping and tell your friends there. Um, thank you until next time, uh, keep eating sandwiches and follow your passion. Thank you so much guys. And thank you, Monique.